Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Own Your Truth. This is Brianna Johnson, your hostess. You're currently listening to episode 39. This is part three of a three-part series in which we talk about tips and tricks of effective ways to communicate with children of all ages, even going into young adulthood. If you've missed the first two episodes of this series, please check those out. Episode 37 and 38, they give a little bit of background knowledge as today we talk a little bit more about teenagers and young adults and how to communicate with them effectively. The previous two episodes did talk about how to set ourselves up for success going from younger children into this stage of preteen, teen, and young adult. And so if you would like some additional information on that, uh, those episodes are a great place to start. We are also holding a friendly little competition on Own Your Truth in the month of September. We are trying to boost numbers of listeners in your state. You can do this by letting friends and family and coworkers know about Own Your Truth. And as they engage and listen to the podcast, the numbers in your state go up. At the end of the month, the state with the most listeners will be able to ask me questions for a Q&A session on the podcast. So make sure that you get those friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors to start listening to the podcast. This is also a great way to open up some dialogue and in some cases, some much needed dialogue gives us a basis to start from, right? You can also boost the numbers for your state by listening to episodes you haven't listened to or listening to them again. Washington State was in the lead. Virginia has now taken the lead. I don't live in either Washington or Virginia. You would think the state that I live in, which is Missouri, would have the most listeners. And even though Missouri has the most cities that listen to it, it still does not have the largest number of listeners. So just to let you know that the tides have shifted just a little and Virginia State is now in the lead. Okay, on to today's podcast. I have always loved each and every stage that my kids have been in. Uh, It's a a time for us as parents to, I don't know, appreciate the the learning stages that they're going through. Like when they're two and three years old, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, terrible twos. They discover so much during that time. The world is new to them. It's, It's fresh. And like that, I mean, every stage of their growth and development is similar because they're constantly learning new, new things. But these teenage years, oh my gosh, they finally come into some of their own power. They realize a little bit about their own identity. And now, you know, we're talking about gender identity, their sexual identity, who they want to be or what kind of a person they want to be as they transition from this child into an adult. And they are only moments, moments really, from becoming their own individual, their own adult. They go from being of the minor age into the age of majority. And this discovery process that they're going through actually has a lot of stress and anxiety. It's not like when they were two and three years old and they were completely fearless about discovering this new world. There's some timidity 
and a little angst going from being this child where you had virtually no responsibilities to learning that, oh my gosh, what I say and what I do has longstanding consequences. And during this time, they also develop different skills as far as communication and their friend skills. They decide what kind of people they want to be around. You know, they're this whole thing with, you know, teen drama or high school drama. What they're deciding during that time is what behaviors are appropriate, what they're going to tolerate, what they want to include into their life as they get older. And I can tell you as a parent, it is absolutely no good to be like, oh, well, you don't need that drama in your life. Well, it's part of that age. It's part of what they decide or how they decide um, what's good and what's bad and what's ugly. They kind of have to see the ugly, you know? How are you going to know what a good relationship is if you've never seen a bad one? You're always going to think that it, it's always peaches and cream, and there's, there's a shadow side to everything. And so during these teenage years, they discover a lot of things that they're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want this in my life. You know, some friends might drop out of school. Some friends might make some really bad decisions and get into car accidents or get in with drugs and alcohol. This is where that good communication between you and your child that you built. Remember how we talked about that in the last two episodes, that foundation of trust and open communication that works right now because your child is going to have so many questions about the things that they see and the things that they encounter. And if they don't have a good line of communication, if they don't have that safety net, that lifeline with you, they're going to seek it elsewhere. And the information they get from someone else may not be adequate. It may not be accurate, and it might steer them down a really dangerous path. This can also be a very, very hard time for parents because we have to start relinquishing our control or our need to control because they're starting, the, these children are starting to have more responsibility. They're starting to have the beginnings of their own life. And for some parents, that's really, really difficult. You know, my baby, my my little tiny son or daughter, I look at them and they're a grown man, a grown woman, and I don't know how to react to that. And that's a very common response for a lot of parents who thought that they were going to just stay little forever. <laughs> you know, the talk of them moving out or the talk of them going to college, even now, okay, I, I told you my sons just went to college. I have one son who lives with his father, one of the twins, and his father basically told him he couldn't live outside of like an hour radius from the house if he wanted his support. That's controlling as hell and totally not okay. And there are other students around here, the same sort of situation. There's parents that have said, if you move out of the house, I'm not helping you. I'm not supporting you. That's control to the highest regard, and that should never happen. You should be in a position where mentally and emotionally you support your child's decision for growth during this time. And the thing is, is it really doesn't matter 
Whether you believe that their decisions are good for them, it doesn't really matter if you believe that their decisions are safe, because ultimately at this age, they will do whatever it is they want to do, which is also why the beginning stages of their childhood, it's important to instill in them the good communication, a good sense of how they feel, how to process emotion, a little bit of give and take in the realm of of good, bad, and otherwise, so that when they're in this age, you can trust that they're going to make the right decisions. Now, if that foundation has not been laid, it's going to be a very rocky road for both of you. And I I say this, this lovingly, but if you have been in a position where you had this strong arm on this child all of these years, and they finally realize what you've done, there will be rebellion. Um, There will be harsh words. There will be all kinds of backlash from the child because they've come into an understanding, much like a mature adult would, about family relationships and ties They're going to understand things about bullying and abuse, things that you were thinking they would never catch on to. They now have a full understanding of. And so those things that may have worked in the past, especially instilling fear in them, will not work now. And even if you've got to up the ante and threaten their life, guess what? At some point, they will be able to walk out that door and they will never return That is their choice, and there will be nothing that you can do about it because they understand now that how they were being treated was unfair, unjust, and in some ways, possibly cruel. And like I said before, they're coming into this age where they have to decide what kind of relationships they want in their life. And I can tell you, this generation that has just been growing up in front of my eyes is by far one of the strongest mentally, as far as generations go, they do not tolerate a lot of crap. And they will drop you like a bad habit if they feel like the relationship you had has been violated or they feel like there's mistrust. They will just let it go. And that includes family as well. If you've started out rocky with your children and you feel like you don't have a good foundation for communication, it is possible to turn this around, but it takes a lot more work and effort on your part now to try to apologize and make amends for that kind of behavior. Because honestly, you can't blame your children at this point. They are doing, they are mimicking, they are mocking what they have learned growing up the last, you know, 12 to 18, 19 years. And whatever environment they grew up in, that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a mirror image of what you have been putting out there. And some parents are going to hate me for this, but it's the truth. And so you cannot be angry with them for how they're treating you right now. Um, and, And I've seen this too with some parents who maybe didn't have a strong arm. They could have been slightly too lenient on their kids. They wanted to be the best friend instead of the parent. The same thing is going to be true. That child has zero respect for you. They will walk all over you. They will demand things from you. And if they don't get it, they make your life a living hell. There has to be a balance between too lenient and overbearing. 
There has to be standards. There has to be boundaries. If those were not set up initially, then it's very difficult now as adults um, to, to go into this and have some sort of a common understanding. But what you really have to do is understand they're an adult now whether you like it or not, whether you want to admit it or not. And so you have to come to the table now as two adults. And if you treated them like a small child this entire time, remember how I said you have to talk to them like they're small adults. If you have treated them like they didn't understand you, that they were somehow subferior to you, then that's exactly what you're going to get in response when you try to have a mature conversation with this young adult. They're going to act like a child because that's how you've treated them this entire time. You cannot have a mature conversation with someone that has a very young mentality. I say young, but it's actually more of an immature mentality because you can have a very adult conversation with some very young people. So that's not it. But if you want to have a mature conversation, you have to treat them with maturity. And I had said this earlier that if you're not showing them respect, right? There's boundaries for everyone. If you're not respecting the boundaries that are set for them as well, then they will have zero respect for you. In the small town that I live in, it's just south of Springfield in the town of Nixa, there is a large number of parents who have kicked their children out at the ages of 16 and 17. Now, I want to let you know that these kids are not bad kids. In fact, a lot of them are A, B honor roll students. A lot of them are in a lot of activities at school. But these parents have lacked the ability to handle their children as they transition into adulthood. They don't handle it well. They think that their house is, you know, my, my way or the highway type of thing. And like I had said before, these are now adults. And at school, to some degree here, they're treated like adults. They get to make some adult decisions about their academia, about their extracurricular activities. They compete uh, in different capacities, and sometimes they get to choose a little bit about that too. So you go to a child like in a school environment, and they start to get responsibility. They start to understand that their opinion matters, and then they come home. And you tell them that it doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they say. Um, Their opinion is irrelevant because you're the boss. And I mean, you can kind of see that that mixes as well as, as vinegar and oil. It just doesn't. So what has happened with these children is that they've moved in with their friends. In fact, we housed a a young woman here for a short time because of a similar fallout with her mother. And um, sometimes those can't be fixed. They can't be remedied, even though it's something silly, almost stupid. Um, My own son, Tristan, his father kicked him out at the age of 16 or 17, and he came to live with me full time. And it was over a dumb argument. Um, The boys wanted to... They had just gotten back from being separated for two weeks and they wanted to spend some time catching up. And again, it was his way or the highway and they were going to bed, even though it wasn't super late. It was on a weekend. And he called the police. Actually, his wife called the police and my son got kicked out. It was a huge fiasco over something really, really small and insignificant. But his father felt he had to make a point. He had to prove his stance and he did. But now my son 
will have nothing to do with him because his father took it to an extreme. He kicked him out. He took away his car. He took away his phone. He took away his pet cat. And so he had no way to get to work. He had no way to get to school. And he was without his companion. He had no way to communicate um, with the school because they would send notifications via his phone uh, for text and stuff for activities that he was involved in. And so he (laughs) ended up being left with nothing. And his father did it in the hopes that he would come groveling back to him because his father, you know, had all of these things. So his father must be powerful and that his son would just come back and be like, yeah, I'm sorry, I messed up. I need all my stuff back. Um, But the reason he didn't is because his father had zero understanding for him. There was no room for compromise. There was no room for communication. And he had put up this wall, this barrier. And unfortunately for the father in this case, he's not only lost that son, but he is actually in line to lose his other children as well. Because as they grow older and move out, they're not going to go back and stay with him. um, Because he continues to treat them like they don't matter. And they're there for show. They're his little trophies. He parades them around when um, they do good things and, you know, claims that he's responsible for that. But he knows nothing about their friends. He knows nothing about what they're interested in. Uh, He doesn't really care how they're doing in school. And so these kids pick up on that. They understand that dad's only there when dad wants something from us and that whatever dad gives us can be used as collateral um, and we can be bought off. And the kids aren't dumb. They, They see right through that. And unfortunately, he has ruined the relationships that he had with his children. But it all could have been prevented. None of it had to go that way. It takes patience and a great deal of listening and the desire to understand your children in order to have a good relationship, in order to keep those lines of communication open. When you shut those down, that's when problems begin. If you're not willing to put in the hard work and sit through conversations and just let them talk to you, You're never going to have a relationship that has mutual respect and understanding. Like I mentioned before, these guys are now adults, whether you want to see them as such or not. And you can say they're immature and they're not ready for the real world. It doesn't matter. That choice is no longer yours. In addition to that, as parents, it is our job to prepare them for that. If you feel like your child is not ready for the real world, that speaks volumes about the years that they were within your care. And I mentioned before about how we are stewards of these children. They do not belong to us. They are not our property. We have them for a very short amount of time, and then we have to give them back to the world. It's my opinion that there are parents out there who manipulate and abuse the powers that they've been given as parents, and the children pay dearly for that, sometimes their entire life. And I'm sure there's probably people listening to this today that I've probably upset 
And I'm not going to apologize. And the reason being is that someone has to be an advocate and a voice for the kids. If I have struck a nerve, maybe it needed to be struck. It's unfortunate that in our society, the children really don't have an advocate. They don't really have a voice. And there's a lot that the parents can do and get away with that don't ever have any kind of ramifications for. Technically, by law, you're responsible for your child and their physical needs until they turn of age. Not any of these children who find themselves homeless at the age of 16 or 17 or even 18 ever see their parents punished for casting out their child and not providing for them for the last two years of their minority. But those same parents can call the cops on their child if their child decides they're not going to even comply with a request. They can call juvenile services. Juvenile services will show up and tell this child that by law, they have to do what their parents tell them to do. And if they don't comply, they're going to take them away. This is another example of how our systems here in the United States are broken. These children don't have an advocate. Um, There is no law enforcement that stops the misbehavior of these parents unless it is a physically abusive situation that has to be proven beyond a shadow of a doubt or the use of drug abuse in the home. Those are the only two reasons that children ever have an advocate, and in most cases, the only remedy is removing the child from the home. I had a friend growing up in high school, my best friend actually, for a really long time, and her parents went through multiple miscarriages. In fact, um, her mother miscarried, I think, 13 or 14 children, and some of them were multiple births, so twins or whatnot. And this girl was finally born, and in her high school years, her parents went through this crazy split and divorce, and neither one of them wanted her. Neither one of them wanted custody of her, and she ended up living with her grandmother. And I always thought what a shame it was that they went through all that they did to finally have a child And then the last part of the majority, the minority of her age, they didn't want her. And she wasn't a troublesome kid. Um, She ended up having kind of some issues because of the way she was treated. I think anybody would. But to find out that your parents don't want you is one of the most hurtful things that can ever happen to a child. We as parents have these children. Sometimes they're not planned, but other times we romanticize about how great it's going to be to see a little mini us, you know, something that is the product of this loving, caring relationship. We want to see that manifested in the physical. And the creator gave us these fantastic sex drives that make sure that that happens, right? It ensures the continuation of the human race because those hormones also are like, oh, I want a baby. I want to know what this is going to be like and feel like. And I want to see them here. Once they get here, we don't think about how much work they're going to be. 
We don't think about how much time and energy it's going to take for us to make sure that we do good by them and not do damage. This is the future of our planet. This is the future of our world. And these are the people that are going to be making policies and governing while we are in our elderly age. If we do not have faith in them because of how we raised them, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Okay, guys, I think that we're going to stop there for today. Again, go back and listen to parts one and two if you wanted additional information. Today was kind of, I don't know, it, it, it was not as light and airy as the first two. This was more of if we've already messed up, this is, this is going to be bad for us. But there are ways to turn it around. It's just it takes a lot of work, guys. It takes a lot of work for all of us as parents, as educators, as adults in our community. Even if you don't have children, we still have to put forth the effort to show these guys that they matter, their opinions matter, their voice matters, and that they can do great and wonderful things. That is 100% on all of us. So I would hope that you can give me some feedback on the podcast this week. Um, Tomorrow, we're not going to continue this. It was just a three-part thing. Tomorrow, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the affirmations that are coming out and uh, what that means for you all. If you can become a supporter of the channel, please do that now. Go ahead and sign up for anything from $0.99 to $9.99. And I would appreciate that. Also, if you're in the market for some great teas, check out my business website at www.bahatiteacompany.com. That's B-A-H-A-T-I. And always, you can see my publications and new works at www.iambriannajohnson.com. Brianna is B-R-I-A-N-A. And until next time, own your truth.